This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. I think most people have heard by now, but this is my last day co-hosting the DNB. So if you haven't heard it, I'm not going to get into it again, but you can go back and listen to the deepest dive of the day for Thursday, April 14th. The bottom line is I just cannot do a full-length daily show in real time anymore. It's not because of anything bad, just way too much going on in my life right now. But I am not going to disappear. I'm going to spin off the deepest dive of the day into a mini podcast and drop it in the free feed every morning by 5 a.m. I'll also continue to do interviews and put them in the free feed. And uh, I am taking a week or so off. So please look for that content in the Propaganda Report feed on your favorite podcasting platform beginning May 10th. But Binkley isn't taking time off. He will continue on with the DNB in the afternoon, and he will continue to put out plenty of premium content, including the DNB XR. I've asked Cam to fill in for me for a while while Binkley takes the helm, so it's time to chart his course, and I expect great things, so please stay tuned. I will be tuned in. And best of all, Binkley and I will continue to join forces on rockfin.com slash propaganda report with Deep Dives Live, as well as all our other content, including the DNBXR, the deepest dive of the day, and plenty of interviews. And of course, at Rockfin, you get all the exclusive content from all the other great creators there. So watch out for these changes, and we hope you continue to enjoy the propaganda report. All right, let's start with some narrative warfare. We talked about narrative warfare a little bit yesterday, and I want to bring a little bit more of that today because what we're seeing in the news right now is absolutely narrative warfare, which we learned yesterday that it has nothing to do with truth and everything to do with constructing a narrative that speaks to the unconscious mind of certain identities and different identity groups so that they can then be manipulated and pushed one way or another based on whatever the agenda is. And I have a few more things from this article that was in foreign policy in 2015 from a woman named Ajit Man, writes, narrative warfare books used by intelligence industry professionals. And she says talking about particular facts and falsehoods. She says, particular facts and falsehoods are immune to correction because the power of the narrative lies in the interpretation of the facts. To judge a narrative by its truth value is to weigh it on the wrong scale in a way that accommodates new events, losses, hits, mistakes, even airstrikes into its narrative. I think a takeaway there for me is, again, truth does not matter. It is meaningless to these people pushing the narrative. The narrative is the point and the way that it impacts you on an emotional, unconscious level. She gets it completely backwards, too. I mean, a narrative emerges from the facts that you try to piece together. That's what we do. And what they say, and this, I remember when the first time we started talking about this was the Starbucks incident where the guy said, right or uh, 
what did he say? Right is right. Rules are rules, but right is right. Yeah. And then I said, because then we dove right into Stacey Abrams, we are entering an era where facts are facts, but truth is truth. And for me, the facts yield the the narrative. And for them, the narrative selects the facts. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why we see certain stories featured prominently at certain times of the year when other events are happening. We only hear about mass shootings when it's relevant for their narrative. Other times we don't hear about it. Same thing with any other a war in a certain country. We don't hear about it unless it serves that agenda. Agreed. And if they don't have enough facts to prop up the agenda, I think that they do conduct false flags yes. and all that, but they don't have to. You can just select the stories. You could probably conjure up any narrative really with a careful selection and spinning of like what otherwise would be very minor and not newsworthy incidents or attitudes or quotes. And by eliminating all the ones that really support a truer explanation of things, people don't even have it. It's like a stovepiping thing, too, where you just if you just yeah. pick the stuff that serves your your agenda, even if it's minor, it seems like the only possible explanation. Yeah. It's kind I, of like a reverse Occam's razor. Absolutely. And the whole Occam's razor thing, I've always thought that's a great way for them to give you an explanation for something. So that you don't look deeper at what the actual truth of that, whatever circumstance. I always feel that for Hanson's razor, too, I think it's called, or Hanlon's razor, where they say that uh, don't ever attribute to malice what could be uh, explained by incompetence, like especially when it comes to the government. That's another one they use. Crap, like that's a canard for sure. What well, says in a CIA manipulation manual, it's a section on manipulation in one of their old manuals, that you need to provide people with plausible excuses or reasons for things so that they don't see the true reasons of things. So there's actually evidence that they use tactics like that yeah. to get people to believe lies. And I think it's important to think about this way we judge other people's narrative and other people's truths, so to speak, is we do try and judge them at a rational level and they're not judging them at a rational level. And that is where some miscommunication and why people argue and fight all the time. That's why tribalism divides, conquers and can never have a conversation. And she speaks more to that when she says here in this article, we tend to judge other people's narrative consciously and rationally. And then only if they do not complement our own. And then she says, Our own narratives, the narratives we live by, are not usually rationally judged or constructed. Most often, they are uncritically inherited. Our own perceptions and resulting behaviors are influenced, some would even say determined, by the narratives we are part of. The same is true for those living by alternative narratives. And then she says, in an adversarial situation, it is a mistake to understand the opposition's narrative as a rational construction. And then she goes on to wrap up the article by saying that a successful message taps into the larger motivating narrative. And that narrative is usually an identity narrative. And that is so prevalent (laughs) everywhere. Wow. Yeah, I think that's probably, I don't know if you're familiar with Carl Jung at all, but he had, I think, wasn't it he who talks about archetypes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think they tap into, I think the identity thing is exploiting those archetypes. It's like beyond Freudian. It's, I, I think that that's what they mean because it's so powerful. Yes, I mean, they is. say like they want to stamp out stereotypes, but really they've built everything on those those identity archetypes. And I found the DARPA program that was studying 
the narratives and how they affect the human mind and how they can influence behavior. It's called Narrative Networks, and it was back in like 2011. Then they did some more research in 2014 and again in 2019. And it's based on the idea that human brains physically change so as to fit new information into coherent narratives. And that, that's the premise of it. You get new information that actually physically changes the brain so that it fits into the constructed narrative that that person lives by based on their identity. Really interesting stuff. I'll put the link to that. That's just more evidence that they use highly sophisticated psychological tests and information and research to craft how they manipulate us. People say like you're a conspiranoid. It's not. They Everything do it. about this DARPA program back when it came out in 2011 and then again 2015, 2019 is DARPA's trying to perfect the science of propaganda. Wow. And it could not be more true. Yeah. Speaking of propaganda, let's talk Twitter. Twitter's just been on fire lately because everybody's losing their minds because Elon Musk, there was apparently a mass exodus and it was a bunch of people who were liberal. Some worked at Twitter. Apparently it was planned, although they're saying, no, it wasn't planned. It was very, very natural. And then there's talk of who's going to be allowed back onto the platform. Tucker Carlson, welcome back to Twitter. Tucker's back. Really? Yeah. He's already been welcomed back. Yeah. Wait, but who made that decision? I don't know. I don't think the deal's even gone through yet. Who was that guy who took over Twitter? Is he in the forefront or the background? Remember, somebody slid it, slotted it. You're talking in. about the guy that took Jack Dorsey's job. Yeah. That guy was a social justice yeah, yeah. ESG type hire. I'm wondering the same thing. What's going on with that guy? Is he going to lose his job? Where I, is he? What has he said? Like, I haven't, I, you know, I, haven't I can't remember his name off the it top of my didn't. mind. I think it may have been of uh, Indian derivation. Yeah. India. So he was tweeting a little bit, and then there was an incident. I can't remember what the incident was right after he was hired, but it was definitely oh, a publicity yeah. thing. And that's a good thing to follow up on. And maybe like that know. explains why he's been out of the limelight. Well, I got slapped down, so I don't. I'm not going to take any chances with the new boss. Like you know, that's a narrative. I found his page here on Twitter. His name is Parag Agrawal. And his most recent tweet, he says, I took this job to change Twitter for the better. Course correct where we need to and strengthen the service. Proud that of was our his people. most recent tweet? Yeah. That was the, like, the first tweet since he took the job? That was months ago, This was it? an hour ago. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. sorry. Finish. Yeah, he says, proud of our people who continue to do the work with focus and urgency despite the noise. And then, what is today? The 26th, 27th? 27th. So, yeah, he hasn't. He tweeted two days ago saying, Twitter has a purpose and irrelevance that impacts the entire world. Deeply proud of our team. So, he's just given a bunch of inspirational teams. Yeah. And then, before that, the most the tw- last tweet he had was that Elon Musk has decided not to join the board. And then, he didn't tweet again until Elon huh. Musk bought the company. Interesting. I wonder if they'll lose their job. There's a bunch of stories about how Musk has given them six months to decide whether they're going to stay or go. We'll see what happens there. He tweeted something yesterday that I found interesting. It's pinned at the top of his Twitter page, and it's about his position on free speech. And there's been a lot of talk if he's a free speech absolutist, and he's just going to let basically Trump and everybody else. Well, Trump's not going to come back here. If he's really a free speech absolutist, the entire thing will be porn and nothing else. Yes. That is what porn and Nazis, Nazi porn, basically. (laughs) Well, the Nazis are just operatives, but the porn that's. Yeah. I don't think it's already porn on Twitter. It's interesting. It would be nothing but porn. Yeah. Because you can not you cannot say something about Ukraine that actually has some evidence to support its truth if it doesn't fit the narrative but you can engage in intercourse and you can stay 
on Twitter because it's, it's, it's baffling. Here is his comment. By free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I am against censor- censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask government to pass laws to that effect. Oh, yes, you see oh, where I'm going oh, here. Yeah. Oh, Therefore, I do not. Oh, I won't even say stuff like that. Yeah. Therefore, uh, going beyond yeah. the law is contrary to the will of the people. Now, this speaks did. to that European law that we talked about yeah. yesterday. If Absolutely. these big tech companies adhere to that European law that they just passed, that has Far, it's going to be stricter on free speech than we are in the United States. It gives them more ability to classify things as disinformation, as hate speech. They specifically seek out things to get rid of that question the Ukraine-Russia narrative. That's part of the one of the clauses they put in was specifically because of, quote, Ukraine disinformation. And if he is or Twitter is abiding to that law and he's abiding to what he's saying here, then maybe things aren't really going to change so much on Twitter. Maybe they're going to get worse. Well, yeah, I mean, he's asking for laws. And then he's saying it's what the people ask for, which fits everything that that's propaganda what, does. Get the people to beg for the censorship. Yeah, that's what Snowden did, too. He was like, I'm not saying we shouldn't have this policy. I'm just saying that they, sh- if they want it, they should pass a law. And I said, oh, they're definitely going to. And you know what the law was called? <laughs> the Snowden law. The Freedom Act. The fr- oh, yes, that's right. The Freedom that's Act. That's what your Twitter handle I didn't, even, I didn't realize it was Snowden that did that. I didn't mm-hmm. make that connection there. Interesting. And Rand Paul was instrumental in that, too. Uh, so, so I got, speaking of Musk, I got uh, a message, I think an email, Hey Mon, which I thought was cute, uh, is from Sir Dunning. Why do you think Twitter doesn't have a white knight suitor like Microsoft or Meta slash Facebook to counter Elon's offer? Uh what if someone uh, if someone were like that were to acquire Twitter, they could keep it as the leftist echo chamber that it is today and not have all these lefty year, tears being shed and more importantly, keep control of the narrative machine. Could be that it doesn't make financial sense for them. Uh, but a deal like this is not just about making financial sense. It's more about control of narratives and the news to a certain extent. There's something fishy. I know you have a financial background. What are your thoughts? I can say something on that. There is apparently a clause. There's a bunch of clauses in the contract that are specific, very specific, that kind of give protection to Musk in case they try and back out of the deal. One of them is that if another offer is given, then they have to come to him and he gets a period of time to match or exceed that offer. Okay, So he has the right of first refusal. exactly. Okay, so yeah, that's in the offer, but they didn't really need to take that, right? So, well, maybe, maybe. I mean, it was... Significant premium. I personally have always thought that Twitter's business model is kind of weird. And I have seen, I found articles, a lot of articles like that, even up to the end of last year saying they really have a a structural problem and that part of it has to do with their wheels off freewheeling, you know, lack of censorship. So this is, but it was like from a box or Vios or whatever, like it was, you know, not a legitimate source. I don't think it was definitely a propaganda source, but I do think that it probably has financial viability issues. I don't know. I don't, I don't own the stock. I don't look into it at all. I just was trying to respond to Sir Dunning's question. But if that were the case, if they actually see it circling the drain already, it would be a perfect opportunity to do what you were saying that it would do, which is it will demonstrate because the narrative that I found was Twitter is having financial problems because it's 
not PC enough. So if now, if it was already circling the drain and that has nothing to do with why, then if this guy comes in and he doubles down on the not PC enough and it tanks, like maybe it's already on the path to, I have absolutely no idea. But if it does tank and of course he's, you know, freewheeling guy who breaks SEC rules, I mean, he could actually torpedo it on purpose. He has a track record of doing stupid stuff like that and getting away with it. And then it would go to your thing where he didn't respect the stakeholders and yeah. thereby screwed the shareholders, yeah. which would just be him, I guess. Right. And I, th- I think that that very well is a possibility as well. He also tweeted last night, Truth Social is currently beating Twitter and TikTok on the apps, App Store. And he put a picture of the top chart images and Truth Social is there at number one, Twitter at number two. And then he says, Truth Social, and then in parentheses, terrible name, which is what Trump used to do all the time. He'd yeah. say something, then in parentheses, he'd make the yeah. insult. And he goes, it, it exists because Twitter censored free speech and that it should be called Trumpet instead. Oh, it should be. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, if you Twitter probably has billions of people who have already downloaded the app. Yes. So Trump Social had zero. You catch I mean, up, it's right. going to take a while for it to go up. I mean, any whatever. That, so that went over to Rumble on the Rumble I cloud. would say Twitter versus... Um, Facebook or something might be an interesting comparison. Yeah, this yeah. Is... Definitely a difference when you have to build up uh, yeah. and scale millions of people than when you acquire one that already has that. Yeah, if you've already got everybody signed up, how many people are left who would be interested? Just people who are like coming of age. Yes. Anyway. Okay, so Google has a new feature. Some of you have probably seen that they want to help us write. I should say this. Google wants to help us improve the way that we write in our documents. And we've probably seen this in emails if you use Gmail. Have you seen the little suggested responses that Gmail does at the yeah, bottom yeah. of an email? It's pretty good. Sometimes I go to type and I'll go to type kind of what it says down there. And I'll yeah, be like, definitely. I'm not typing that. I don't want to say anything. I don't want Google predicting what I'm going to write. And I don't want to write what Google tells me to say. Even if it would be simple to just click it and do that. Well, they have a updated that feature called assisted writing feature or assistive yeah, writing feature. Yeah, sounds like Stephen Marsh. Stephen Marsh. That guy who wrote the next Civil War, the guy from the oh, disinformation right. yes. media. Yes. Yeah, the no, Atlanta. exactly. That's what I thought of too yeah. with the uh, predictive writing and they can write novels that people they think is written by a real person. They are testing this new feature in Google Docs and what they want to do here is they want to help us write in a more inclusive and a way that considers inappropriate words, a little bit better writing, according to them. So the new feature is going to do a few things. It's going to make recommendations about word choice. It's going to offer more dynamic or contextually relevant wording. It's going to suggest active rather than passive voice. It's going to suggest more concise phrases. So maybe simplify things, maybe make something a little bit more nugget size like the news does, perhaps. And then it's going to have more inclusive words or phrases suggested if it thinks that you're using words that could offend people. Well, we could see that coming. Mm-hmm. And then we have word warnings to reconsider potentially inappropriate words. And an example of a suggested correction, the word landlord triggers the inclusive warning. And then it says, maybe replace it with property owner or proprietor. Vice actually did a little demonstration of it. And they found that Google Documents suggested more inclusive language in a range of scenarios, such as for annoyed, 
in motherhood, they gave different suggestions for those words, but it failed to suggest anything when a speech from a neo-Nazi Klan leader was pasted in containing the N-word. It offered no recommendations for change on that, but it was telling people to change gendered pronouns and stuff like that. And it is interesting that the N-word would not get censored. Well, but, it will. Then. But it, it would eventually. It will. But I think that's because they want people to use the N-word. Maybe. I do. I, I think that they are trying to encourage, trying to push people to you to using oh, words I'm, like that. I bet they would. They might say that it's culturally acceptable for some groups to use that word. That's a good point. I think also that I've seen this theme in the news too over the past couple of months. I think they want to get more examples of young kids. Because those are the groups that are going to be more likely to fall into the trap of of using a word just because you're not supposed yeah, to say it. You agreed. know what I mean? To say that word. And then they will ha- be able to provide more examples of white nationalism and racism spreading across America. That's a, I, yeah. another good point. Yeah. All right. I got a good description here of ESG. I saw a lot of stories about ESG. I was doing a little bit of research on it because I am convinced this Elon Musk Twitter thing is very much related to the ESG standards, the Great Reset, and the World Economic Forum want to implement. Here it is right here. I think it's from Politico. It appears that ESG is not about creating fair assessments of corporate behavior. So what is it really about? ESG is about controlling and forcing behaviors. It attempts to do through capital markets what activists and their government allies have been unable to do through the democratic process. Back to our fascism. Yes, exactly. It is a political score that intentionally or not can result in market participants using economic force to drive a political agenda, which is exactly what we're seeing in Ukraine or Russia with every, all the corporations pulling their companies out of Russia. Yeah, stopping. But they also have sanctions on that. That is like a whole of society effort, as they would say. Yes, it is. And but this is saying that people don't want it. You can't get them to do it. You can't get them to do it to the corporations. You can't get them to get their policymakers to do it. So we are going to BlackRock, who buys almost all of the stocks, will tell you because that one guy reports to some other guy that his politics will control whether you ever get funding or not. And if you don't do it, so that's the carrot, they will they will out you. That's the stick. Yeah. And I have a little bit more that I'm going to say for the XR that is an art, another article from Politico that is about the weaponization of ESG standards to punish Americans. It's very interesting. All right. Um, I have a little bit more for the XR, too. I'm going to save the next story for that. It's about why being anti-science is now part of many rural Americans' identity. But that is, it's not the headline that tells the true story. I think that they are preparing for an offline world and they're talking about how to propagandize people one at a time. It's a real throwback to what you uh, have shown me from the old Laswell days where he talks about how to talk to community. It's very interesting. So I want to give that plenty of time. We'll do that in the XR. But uh, that means that we have up next the deepest dive of the day where we will try to get to the bottom of the fascinating case of Ginny Thomas. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. In addition to your follow-up on ESG and my follow-up on offline propaganda, two more college athletes are dead of apparent suicide. And let me tell you about the rate compared to prior periods and mental health and Zoom. Hear about that. And 
And before we get to any of that, I want to thank our sponsors and hear from our sponsors and also suggest that you not only uh, listen to our sponsors, maybe try to support them, but also support us. We are... I have a channel that I think is awesome on rockfin.com slash propaganda report where you will get all of our content, the DNB, the DNBXR, the deepest dive of the day, interviews, and of course, our signature deep dive live, which we do at least on a monthly basis, a couple of hours on an evening where it's super fun. It's very interactive, but mostly it's Binkley triggering me, which apparently is a uh, a crowd pleaser. <laughs> so, and of course, Rockfin is awesome because you get the exclusive content of so many other creators. I mean, it really is amazing. Like, I just, that's just a great platform. So, hope to see you there. And now, our deepest dive of the day. Saw this headline come across the screen. House Democrats to lead hearing on Supreme Court ethics amid calls for Thomas to resign or be impeached. Did you see this? No. Justice Thomas. They want him to resign or be impeached. Do you even have you heard any suggestion of why? Is it because of text messages that his wife sent? (laughs) Yes. So, Sandy Ocasio has been calling for Thomas to recuse himself from any January 6th litigation. Others are even calling for him to be impeached based on the text that his wife sent to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows regarding the November 2020 election and also a little bit of January 6th. Did you enjoy my use of Sandy's original name? Yes, I do. Yes, Sandy Ocasio, like (laughs) Barry Sotero. It's like, well, okay. Uh, only because that's what her name actually is. It's okay. So people don't walk around saying their mother's last name, even if they're of Spanish descent. Quite often. Some people do, but she didn't. Now she does. Uh, because instead of being something that people discriminate against, they discriminate in favor of. So Thomas' wife's G- wife, Ginny, who he married like four years before his confirmation, which I remember watching, which well, you were probably a kid, which Anita Hill was accusing him of doing gross stuff. And I don't believe it at all. I don't think it was a true story. So, and I think it's really disgusting and a perfect example of how all this BS that comes from every place, from ESG to Democrats to everybody, Biden, Clinton, every, every, everybody who act like they care about people of color, racial justice, any of that, they absolutely don't believe it's very clearly 100% political thing. Because otherwise, if they had any idea, uh, if they really cared about that, they would look at Clarence Thomas's story and they would have scrutinized Anita Hill before she ever saw the light of day if if there was any chance that she was lying. Because his story, he remembers the first time he experienced running water. That's in his memory because he grew up with nothing. He grew up speaking Gullah, which is a slave language. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. But I actually looked it up in Wikipedia. It's uh, not only a language, but it's um, a people like Creole. The Gullah are African-Americans who live in the low country region of the U.S. states of Georgia, which is where he was from, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, and both the coastal plains and the sea islands. They have developed a Creole language also called Gullah and a culture with significant African influence. And I think I heard somewhere that 
he that's one reason why he doesn't he's not super outspoken on the court as a matter of fact he hasn't i don't think he's asked a question since he's been on the court maybe once or twice and some people think it's because of that maybe he even said it himself and i would like someday to do a deep dive on him alone but this is about his wife i guess but uh anyway so i don't like the way they go after him they want to impeach him um for something that his wife supposedly did and just so you know, since the Supreme Court first convened in 1790, there have been 112 justices, at least, maybe more. This might be an oldish number, but only one has ever been impeached and he was not convicted. Even during the Civil War, those guys, I think the majority of them were from the South and they remained on the court. Now, Lincoln did some shady stuff. But and even through all of that, only one federal judge, I think there have only been 14 federal judges who have been impeached over the course of American history. And one of them was West Hughes Humphreys of the U.S. District Court for the Middle Eastern and Western Districts of Tennessee. And he was charged with refusing to hold court and waging war against the United States government. And I think he he pretty much did that because he was in the Confederate district and he um, he publicly called for secession. He gave aid to an armed rebellion. He conspired with Jefferson Davis, uh, yada, yada. So he was an active Confederate judge who had been appointed by the union. And that was it. He was it that he was the one who got impeached. So the idea that Thomas would be impeached by texts as wife sent seems like a real far fetch now they may the world is changing paradigms are shifting but i don't really believe that that it, that's gonna happen but you have got got to hear normally i don't fall into these rabbit holes but i'm interested in clarence thomas so i wanted to see how this uh what she was up to these texts at a certain point it doesn't sound real so her story is she's a big tea partier, but she's been politically active in kind of like very conservative circles. But also when she was younger, she was in a cult. So I was thinking that could either make her a patsy or she said it was a cult. It sounded like a cult to me. She could either be a patsy because of that history or maybe an operative because of that history because she knows how it works or maybe just somebody who happens to be. I'm vulnerable to what appears to be like a steady stream of Q stuff. I don't know if you've heard this from her. And it just it really at a certain point kind of Every, sm- yeah. smacks. Everything I learned true. about that, I actually saw in an SNL skit and I read a little bit about it. But yeah. that's how I knew there was a text messages because. Yes, of it skit. looks like an SNL skit. Yeah. yeah I mean, like it, they all they'd have to do is read them to see. It's so ridiculously Whatever. It's just and it's so reminiscent of when we were on WSB and the Q stuff was just emerging after Trump got elected, which is in itself a little bit crazy because the premise behind it was Donald Trump, who was the president, had the backing of the military to enact a coup. You know what I mean? But he was the president. But the coup was against the deep state who was really the power behind the throne. Like it was a pretty it was a pretty sketchy story there. But the theme was there are 60,000 indictments. Remember, like yeah. Maurice and stuff would call and say that. So and I love Maurice. I, I'm I'm wondering if Maurice is back. Like we can reconnect <laughs> with Maurice if he listens. Send me an email at the propaganda report podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, she says she's texting Mark Meadows. I mean, 
what this guy how many people are is he he must know a thousand people as important as she is and she just pops off text to him night and night i hope this is true she texts to him never heard anything like this before even a hint of it possible question mark and here is what she's relaying to him. Watermarked ballots in over 12 states have been part of a huge Trump and military white hat sting operation in 12 key battleground states. Now, this, I think, is on November 6th, election night, I think. Or uh, one of those days, like right around then. Biden crime family and ballot fraud co-conspirators such as elected officials, bureaucrats, social media censorship mongers, fake stream media reporters, etc. are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now and over the coming days and will be living in barges off Gitmo to face military tribunals for sedition. She is sending this, that spam to Meadows and saying she never heard anything like that before. I've heard this before, and I don't yeah. follow Q, right? Yeah. Uh, she So she's egging him on, egging him on. You can't concede. Stand strong. Uh, he replies, I will stand firm. She tells him to listen to Rush. I will stand firm. We will fight until there's no fight left. Our country is too precious to give up on. Thanks for all you do. And then she says, nine minutes later, tearing up and praying for you guys. So proud to know you. Goes on. Uh, she says so at one point, this war is psychological, and then an all caps psyop. <laughs> and she says, I don't want to wake you, Mark, but it sounds like Sydney and her team are getting inundated with evidence of fraud. Make a plan, release the Kraken, and save us from the left taking America down. She said, release the Kraken. That's what she said. That's what she said. It starts getting a little crazy. And this is the one. This is the next one is the one where I'm like, bull. This is not true she might have sent it it might be there but this is not authentic from her she said on november 19th she sent a message apparently referencing judge thomas's 1991 confirmation hearings i don't know if you remember that but i used to say when i was in law school which was after that um a friend of mine used to say to me since i have been at law school i have not had a single day of joy and what he was referring to is his little joke it was a callback to the thomas hearings where thomas said at one point i expected this confirmation hearing to have good days and bad days pain and joy but there has not been a single day of joy it was horrible it was disgusting and uh so she says to Mark Meadows on November 19th, way before the January 6th thing, November 19th, the intense pressures you and our president are now experiencing are more intense than anything experienced. I only felt a fraction of it in 1991. I mean, no way. Yeah, no that sounds way. a little too on point. And, and then she goes on to say, trying to understand the Sidney Powell distancing. Meadows says, this is in the text, this is in the text, another thing that's starting to get off the rails on the crazy train here. She doesn't have anything, or at least she won't share it if she does. Wow, Thomas says. I mean, it's getting a little crazy. I think, yeah. I don't know if there's, there's two more things I must, I must read. Now, this is from Meadows, and this just doesn't, I, I mean... Unless he thinks that she is batty and is just, and which he might, and he's just trying to keep his political mumbo jumbo, you know, out there. But to me, this is him be authenticating himself for a larger audience. He says, 
This is a fight of good versus evil. Evil always looks like the victor until the king of kings triumphs. Do not grow weary in doing in well-doing. The fight continues. I have staked my career on it. Well, at least my time in D.C. on it. Because Meadows is doing this. Because it's like when Sarah Palin said, this is a war from God. The yeah. Iraq war. So then she says, yada, yada, a bunch of stuff. We, Thomas says, we are living through what feels like the end of America. Most of us are disgusted with the VP and are in listening mode to see where to fight with our teams. Those who attack the Capitol are not representative of our great teams of patriots for DJT. Amazing times. The end of liberty. It's like she's in, was it 4chan or 8chan? <laughs> She's sitting at home late at night, 4 a.m. Totally. Totally. So are, so what do you think? Is she, she was in a cult. So is she a patsy? Is she an operative? Or is she a true believer? A dupe? I find it hard to believe that the wife of a Supreme Court justice would be a true believer. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think you might want people like that. And I'm not say she's in a position of power, but her husband is, which by, by proxy yeah. gives her a position of, of influence. And you want true believers in places like that. I don't know. Maybe she got swept up in it, but that seems just a little bit too. I don't think that that's I, I, I just can't I say no. You're voting. I'm so voting the question no. of Patsy operative dupe. Operative in the sense that she probably said, yeah, tweet whatever you want from my account to, to somebody she's close with. Well, it was a text, but... Or text, yeah, excuse me. Boy, that seems really crazy. To just lose control like that would be really, really crazy. Yeah, I, but it's, yeah, it's a I, bit strange. I'm not, it does not seem... It seems a little... Especially a little for it to be the black Supreme Court justice. And they want to take away to his... So you, it's like you life. have to yeah. have that oh, happen know, so that you can say, here's why we need to That's have true. the I black mean, justice recuse himself. I, I actually, he seems leg, he seems legit to me. Now, yeah. she's been uh, active politically in the past. And I doubt, I mean, I, I'd i be surprised if she's betraying him and he's too stupid to know. He, and he, his answer is basically, recuse me if you want. I'm not doing it myself. Yeah, I will say this. I have known couples, and I'm sure this goes both ways. The ones that I've known has been more on the, the man's side where I got the sense that the guy spent a lot of his time apologizing to other people because his wife was a little bit too either not, oh, over yeah, the but top Thomas. or Thomas abrasive or we're the same. I, I'm apologize. sorry. Just don't don't worry about that. Like maybe as she's spouting QAnon stuff at a party, maybe she goes yeah. to get some chips. He says, I- I'm sorry. She's just it's been- like when my husband calls me his pet hyena. Yes, maybe. Like perhaps. the question is, how close do you want to get? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We had a neighbor Which I was, think is apropos. Some people are shocked by that, but I think it's It's apropos. just like we had a neighbor like this once where his wife would say something and you could almost see him lean his head down and put his hand on his head to go, not again, like just quietly. And then he because he knows it would be like, that's a little too far to ask somebody that you don't know or to say to somebody that you don't know. And he was doing uh. that quite a bit. And I just... I know they were in love, but I felt for the guy. Yes. When I got married, my uncle, the priest, gave me a book called Refined by Love. 
And it was like, yeah, <laughs> so he shoots with his mouth open. You have yes. to rise above. Yeah, and, so that, uh, that's our, the, on the guy's side, that's the stuff that we often do is stuff like that. Definitely. Yeah, but he doesn't apologize. So that's not him. <laughs> anyway, so I do have a rap, a big rap, the rap. It has been a great almost three years. Yeah. And it would be 10 years if you include the Monica Press show. But it's not over. It's just changing as all things do. So please continue to support Binkley. And please stay tuned for my first morning mini pod on the 10th of May. And Binkley, I will see you on May 11th for our next Rockfin Deep Dive Live. Mark your calendars. And oh, by the way, please sign up at thepropreport.com. You'll be able to keep up with Everything Brad and I are doing, I'll continue to do the newsletter. If you sign up there, register, you can, you, I'll automatically put you on the newsletter mailing list and you'll be able to message me directly. I will start checking those messages on a daily basis on May 10th when I'm back from vacation. And we have a big shout out from, uh, well, I'll tell you the shout out and then I'll tell you where they're from. Thank you for keeping us sane and informed for the last couple years. We'll miss hearing you, Monica, but we know Brad will do an amazing job continuing this thing. Don't be a stranger. Much love from Joe, Jen, and Ben. They are our patrons and friends and fellow podcasters from Legit Bat. And Brad, I have a parting gift for you. Compliments of Legit Bat. Uh, I have lined up an interview for us, which I could not actually get scheduled until August. That is how long the wait is for this. And I it think is, I know what this is worth the wait. So when you've wanted Can to I talk guess? to you for a long time. <laughs> yes. Guess, is it David guess. Icke? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. August Thank you 2nd. very much. Yes, you're welcome. Awesome. So August 2nd, which is the day before my birthday, a little birthday present for me. And uh, and we will definitely do that. Hopefully he doesn't reschedule. Maybe he will, but won't be, it won't be live. So we'll put it after we do it. We'll get it out there afterwards. And in the meanwhile, Legit Bat beat us to the punch. Yeah. And you can listen to their interview of David. That's I. great. Yeah. Thank you, Legit Bat, as well. That's going to yes, be very that cool. Was- Super, super nice. We appreciate that. And now on to the DNBX. You will be greatly missed, Monica. You Aww. do excellent work and you are a very hard worker as well. And yes. I know you will continue to do excellent work. Likewise. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you all for listening. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or on your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content that we post, every time we post a DMB, you can go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and check out our content there or patreon.com slash propaganda report or propreport.locals.com to see our different offerings on each platform. We will talk to you guys next time or in the DMB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.